It is indeed important for us to bless. And this posture of blessing is critical if we're going to step into all the things that God has for us. And I believe that blessing and honor oftentimes go hand in hand. So um, honor is one of the languages uh, or the flavors of love. Um, Therefore, uh, we want to make sure that we're stepping out of that. Great. Jared, if you could get me to that first slide, that would be great. Little boy offered up a Thanksgiving Day prayer for the family, and he prayed this way. Dear God, this is Jimmy. Thank you for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the holidays. Thank you for the turkey and the dressing and mom and dad, and even for my little sister, even though sometimes she can be a pain. Thank you for the books and TV and my Game Boy. You can tell how, lo- how old, long ago this was if he's thinking for, for a Game Boy. Thank you for loving us. And oh yeah, and take care of yourself, God, because without you, we're sunk. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what the prayer at your Thanksgiving table is going to be like this week, but it is true. Without God, we are sunk. And there is a thankful heart posture that we need to maintain, right? A thankful heart posture that says, thank you, Jesus, that John America's in the house today. Thank you, Jesus. It's a heart posture that says, thank you that Julie is doing so well. She's in church and you've raised her up from being literally on death's door, right? And I could go all day long, but there's this sense of even your presence here is a declaration of God's goodness, his faithfulness, and it should spring us to a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is not just a holiday. And this morning, as we talk a little bit about Thanksgiving, we're really going to talk about prayer. And so a few statistics for you as we think about prayer. A recent study, it was actually earlier this year. I always like to know like pre-pandemic, mid-pandemic, post-pandemic. This is post-pandemic, right? 61% of Americans said, yep, we pray. The average time spent is 18 minutes per day. That means that some people are spending way more time and others are spending way less time. 60% of people who pray say they pray in their car. How many of you pray in your car? Raise your hands. Please don't pray driving with your eyes closed. But it is true, actually more people say they pray in the car than they do in a place of worship. Only 46% saying that they pray in a place of worship. I hope you pray while you're here, but maybe I'm talking so much you don't have time to pray. I don't know. I want to encourage you to pray in your car, by the way. It's a great space, especially if you're, you've dropped off kids and everything and you're just alone. <sighs> say that they've prayed for their pets. Okay, how many of you prayed for your pets? Raise your hand. Literally, so my mother has raised more dogs from the almost dead than like anybody in the history of praying for pets. She's watching the live stream. Hi, mom. Um, the, The vet's like, what did you do to this dog? I can't believe it's still alive. She's like, I've been praying for it. And it is true. We have prayed so many times for our dogs. When our puppy chewed the, um, the Christmas light cord and got electrocuted, you better bet that all the Birchits were on our knees praying like crazy that that dog would not die. Right? It's okay to pray for your pets, by the way. It's also okay to pray for yourself. Some of you think that it's only holy to pray for others. 
There, that is, there is nowhere in the Bible that would advocate for that. 31% have prayed due to a request on social media. As much as I'm not on Facebook, by the way, if you send me a Facebook message, I will not get it. Just a just public announcement. After my sabbatical, I just decided to, to not be on Facebook. Um, but Facebook is a great place to be prompted to pray. So is watching the news or reading the newspaper or just listening with your ears or seeing a siren or hearing a siren or seeing an emergency vehicle go by. That should be your prompting to say, Lord, help. Right? So there's promptings. Here's the best one on the screen. 87% say that in the last 12 months, they have had an answer to prayer. That might look high. I think it's low. I think it's people who aren't paying attention. They're not being watchful because I believe 100% of prayers are answered. Question for you. In the last 12 months, have you seen God answer any prayer of yours? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And here's the best one. Those with children are more likely to pray. 66% versus 59%. If you have children, you will chuckle to yourself. You think, yeah, I've never prayed so much as having children, right? Some of you are about to experience that really soon. Now, the Bible talks about prayer a lot. Hundreds of times, literally, across the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, 279 times prayer, praying, or prayer, pray, prayer, praying, or pray occur in the New Testament. Jesus is quoting as, pray, as praying 25 times. Paul mentions prayer 41 times in 13 letters. The Jews, as a practice, prayed at the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. This is 9 a.m., noon, and 3. There's nothing magical about those times, by the way, but there was an evening and a morning sacrifice that corresponded with 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And maybe they get it from Psalm 55, where David says, As for me, I call to the Lord. The Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Daniel also prays multiple times a day. So maybe this is where the Jews got the idea. The point is, not the times, it's the frequency. That there's supposed to be frequent praying. Now, we see this also lived out by the New Testament church. Acts 3, Peter and John are going to the temple at that hour of prayer. Acts 10, you have Peter on the rooftop and he's praying at the sixth hour. He has this vision. In Acts 10 also, we find out that Cornelius, he was praying in that, that three o'clock hour when an angel appeared to him. So we have these things. Of course, then there's some interesting correlation with when Jesus is is put on the cross when darkness shows up at the sixth hour and then Jesus dying at the ninth hour. Kind of interesting, just kind of an aside. The point is frequency of praying. And here's what Paul, he ups the ante. He says, hey, there's a few things that you should know that are God's will. This is what God wants you to do. You ever wonder like, what does God want me to do? Here it is right here. Rejoice always. Pray continually or pray without ceasing. Depends on your translation. Give thanks in all circumstances. We'll touch on that today. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so we're supposed to be praying without ceasing, continually. Now that might not feel like a very doable thing, but I'm here to convince you that it is doable and I'm gonna tell you a few ways how I think you should do that. Um, Brother Lawrence, he wrote uh, a book 
And in the 1600s, and he says, the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. His book is Practicing the Presence of God. That we're, that we're constantly inviting Jesus into everything we're doing. If we're cooking the stew, great. Jesus, come and help me cook the stew. He even says, Brother Lawrence says, if I flip the omelet, I'm doing it, and I want to do it in a place of love and prayer. You think, dude, you're just making breakfast. But he wants to invite Jesus even into those moments. You might think, well, that sounds a little extreme. Yep, Jesus wants us to be extreme. Radical Christianity is normative. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, hanging with Jesus, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons at every moment without limiting the conversation in any way. This is one of the reasons why praying in the car is such a great time. Because especially when there's nobody else, it's just you and Jesus and maybe the radio. So we're in the book of Colossians. We've made it. This is one of Paul's letters and we've made it to chapter 4. We got through a lot of doctrine about what's true about God, about, true about us, and true about our circumstances. That was in chapters 1 and 2. Then in chapter 3, we began talking about how, how we live out this life. And what does kingdom living really look like? And so we've been talking about that for a number of different weeks. And at this point, we've talked a lot about what it could look like in different relationships and it lands on our relationship vertically with God. I'm going to have you memorize this verse with me. Are you ready? You got this. It is devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I think you got this. Ready? Say it with me. Ready? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Say it one more time. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This is one of the core verses of my life. And you think, it's really simple, Andrew. Isn't it supposed to be like more like grandiose, have a lot more commas if it's going to be one of your favorite verses? Nope. I don't know about you, but sometimes shorter is better. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. As we talk, I think you'll understand why I'm so passionate about this. And it's so very practical. Now, Paul's been talking about thanksgiving and talking about prayer for his entire, the entire book. Just a reminder where he says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. There's prayer without ceasing, right? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives there is a spirit-led kind of prayer life that Paul is leading and he's inviting us into. Devote yourselves to prayer being what? Watchful and thankful. So we're supposed to first devote ourselves to prayer. There's two verbs in this. The first one is devoted. Now, hopelessly devoted to you is all I can think of. So I went ahead and put Sandra D up there for you so that you could get it out of your mind because if we mention it right now, then it'll be behind you and we could talk about other things, right? Hopelessly devoted to prayer in this case. This little Greek word, pros, meaning moving forward, implying motion and direction toward it. This is not just like a sitting still, but there's a movement and a motion in it. And as someone who loves to move, I love that. 
The, la- the rest of the verb is to be strong and steadfast and firm and to endure, to be earnest toward, to persevere. It's literally continually devoting ourselves to prayer. You, you're seeing this continual prayer uh, attitude from 1 Thessalonians, aren't you right here? In this, just the word itself. And you say, okay, so where did the church do this? Glad you asked. Acts 1, verse 14, this is before the Holy Spirit shows up. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is not always an individual sport. Sometimes it's a team sport. Acts 2.42, they devo- same word here in the Greek. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. So this is a hallmark of the early church. Acts 6, they're going, man, there's too much to, to have, too much to do. We got to raise up some other people to like wait tables and do things. Why? Because we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, the apostles say. Paul also says in Romans 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. This is our word here, being devoted to prayer. It's over and over and over. Then there's this little verse in Romans 13. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time or they devote themselves to governing. So let's stop right here. Here is Rome and they show up and they're requiring taxation. They're getting taxes from the people of these provinces. Can you imagine if somebody took over the U.S. and then they're like, okay, it's time to tax you now. And, and how you would feel about giving that money to them. Imagine, just think about the IRS and how hard they work to make sure that we pay our taxes. With that same perseverance, we're supposed to go after praying. That, if, if the church prayed like the IRS went after people for tax money, we would have no problems in the world, right? There is this sense of devotion, of being unceasing, this, this continuous energy toward it. To attend a person or a thing, it implies a, uh, an intensification of strength. It's like uh, getting the ball rolling down the hill, and there's more and more and more momentum. The more you pray, the, the more you start seeing things happen, right? There is this little word, too. It's the same word in Mark 3, 9. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples, Jesus, he did, to have a small boat ready for him, be devoted for him. So this idea of being devoted also has this readiness to it. Are you ready to pray? Devote yourselves to prayer being what? Watchful and thankful. You'll have it down by the end, I promise. So it's interesting that devotion to prayer connects us to our Heavenly Father. 70% of the people in the recent survey about prayer said, I pray mostly to get connected with God. Other People said other things about how it lessened their anxiety or they, they, they felt better. But there is a connection to God that happens in prayer that happens in few other places in life. There once was a rich man who had a son to whom he promised an annual allowance. Once a year, on the first day of the year, he would give him his allowance. Well, you can imagine what happened. After a while, the father only saw his son on that first day of the year when he got his allowance. 
So the father changed the plan and only gave the son enough for one day. The next day, the son would return. And from then on, the father saw his son every day. This is the way that God dealt with his people Israel. And it's oftentimes the way he deals with us. He wants us to connect with him. Not just bring our long laundry list, or the, although he's not afraid of our list. He's really not afraid of your list. You're never going you're, you're to ask too much. He's not too busy. It's not like, please hold. No. But he wants to connect with you. And prayer, I believe, is one of the finest ways for us to connect our hearts to God. That we would have this conversation every day with him. The Old Testament says his mercies are new every morning, which usually means that every morning I need to ask, Lord, I need more mercy for today. I don't know about you, but I worry about today because tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. I don't have enough faith to think about tomorrow. I mean, sure, I plan and I've got a calendar and all that stuff. I want to live present. I think if I live present to myself, to others, and to God, I will fulfill the command of Jesus. It is my lack of presence that keeps me from being thankful, kind and giving, or even charitable to myself. Devote yourselves to prayer being what? Watchful. Watchful's the other verb here. Supposed to devote ourselves being watchful. Gregoreo. To be alert and awake and ready to act. This is that same word that Jesus uses several times as he's in, there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And hey, just watch and pray so that you won't be tempted, he says to his followers. And well, they have a hard time staying awake, right? And there is this alertness or readiness. Once again, we see it in devotion, and we're actually seeing it here in watchfulness as well, being watchful. So I think about the idea of looking to see where God is working and joining him in the work that he's already doing. This is Henry Blackaby, famous for talking about this in his book slash program, Experiencing God. That Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. So he kept always scanning to see, God, where are you working? What are you doing? And then he would go join him in that work. When we think about being devoted to prayer, do you just pray for things and then just like totally forget about it and like go somewhere else? Or are you good about checking up and going, hey, what's going on with that? We prayed for that last week. If you check up, that tells you what? It tells you you're expectant that you're expecting God to do something. So many times we don't check back in because you're like, oh man, that's a really difficult situation. I prayed for him, but I I don't really want to ask him about it because I don't want them to be embarrassed if nothing happened. Devote yourselves to prayer means you just stay on it. You just keep praying. There's a perseverance to prayer that we pray until something happens. We push through. And it's the culture here needs to be okay with, okay, we prayed for you and you didn't see anything happen. Okay, we're going to pray again. And then we're going to pray again. And then we're going to pray again. And we're going to pray again. Why? Because God begins to change our hearts in the midst of prayer. He also, somehow, prayer also moves the hand of God. 
but it's more about us getting in touch with his will and his heart than getting his hand to move. And I've noticed sometimes the answer to my prayer is the Lord changes me. And the circumstances don't seem to change. And yet the prayer is answered. Is it what I wanted perfectly? No. Am I God? No. Are you thankful? Yes. When you pray, as you pray, if you pray with expectation, things will shift dramatically. We'll talk about that in a minute. Watchful and thankful. Literally watching in thanksgiving. It's to be immersed in. Like it's just in. It's just epsilon nu. In, N. I was thinking about Ephesians 5.18, which talks about being filled, be being filled with the Spirit. And how critical it is for us to continually surrender to God, and then he fills us up with his Holy Spirit. I surrender, and he fills me up. I surrender, and and he fills me up. It's not about working harder. It's about surrendering more. This life is all about surrender. And when you get filled up, you bear the fruit of the Spirit. While this isn't listed among the fruits of the Spirit, what we see in verse 20 of Ephesians 5, 8, as soon as he said, be filled with the Spirit, he says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will always move toward gratitude. You will not move away from it. You'll begin to see, oh, it was God doing that. Sometimes we're afraid like, I don't want to give God credit for something he's not doing. Ah, P.S. He's doing it all. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. But I did a lot of great stuff. Good for you. Way to partner with God. Right? I don't want to be facetious, but like it's, I just want to, you know, I want to point you to the one who really is doing all the good work. And the more that you thank him, it, you just get on a roll. There is a strength that's released in thanksgiving. So I was, I was it just came to me right now, so I want to share it. Um, it's been a while since I've run, true confession, true confession, I need to get back out on the trail. But when I was doing half marathons, and when you're in about, I don't know what, mile 12, right? You're like, oh, I'm feeling this a little bit. Even if you train, you're like, okay, I, I think I'm ready to be done now. And what I began to do is like, I would just out loud say, Lord, thanks for the strength. Thank you, Lord, for the strength. Thank you for the strength. And I could feel it just saying it right now. Not a magic word. It's a heart posture. When I thank him for the strength, he immediately begins giving me strength. And I can feel it usually from the backs of my legs and it just starts rising up. Try this. You don't even have to be running. You could just do it later. Lord, thanks for the strength. You just ask him ahead of time. Why? Does, does he want to strengthen you? A hundred percent. Is he behind you? Yes. The, they that wait on the Lord, he will renew your strength. You'll walk and not be weary. You will run and not be faint. And it's literally, you can physically feel the strength coming in. So even if you're emotionally feeling like you're worked over, you just say, Lord, thanks for the strength. Thanks for giving me strength. And it's like you're thanking him before you're feeling it, and then you're feeling it. Woo, it's good. Thanksgiving is a secret weapon of the Christian life. Colossians, here's just a little context for the larger book. 
In Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, talking about rooted and built up in him, strengthening the faith that we were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Whatever you do, whatever you do, all the things, all of the things, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. This is the present tense. Continually doing this to God the Father through him. The Bible is so clear. If we miss this one, we've missed everything. I read a story about Martin Luther from the 1500s, great reformer. And he said, to be a Christian without praying is no more possible than to be... I can't read it on here. To be alive without breathing. Now, you don't normally think of maybe Martin Luther as being this crazy faith-filled person. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I, I read this story and I was like, whoa, this is really captivating. It was 1540 and Luther's great friend, Friedrich Myconius, he got sick, was expected to die within a short time. And on his bed... He wrote a loving farewell note to Luther with a trembling hand. And Luther received the letter and sent back a reply. Here was his reply. I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. In other words, live further longer than me. For this I am praying. This is my will that my will be, be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. You might say, oh, I think he crossed some lines. If he crossed some lines, then why in the world would God do this? Those words are shocking to us, certainly. Myconius had already lost the ability to speak when Luther's letter came. Then he recovered completely and lived six more years to survive Luther himself by two months. I think sometimes we think about faith and we call it presumption. Oh, that's really like presumption when it's actually faith. Not playing the part of God, but saying, God, I know what you want and I know this is your will. Therefore, this is what I'm calling out for you to do. The older I get, the more I pray, the more bold I am. But aren't you afraid you're going to cross the line? No, no, I'm not. Because I just keep surrendering more. Because I'm surrendering all of it to God. It's his will. It's his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Can I make anything happen? Zero. I'm still working on self-control. So forget controlling others. The more we pray, the more we see God's answers. Sometimes you might say, well, I haven't, I haven't seen... God answer prayers. How often are you praying? Now, I made a couple lists for you because some of you love lists. I'm looking at you, Amy. <laughs> Here's some lists. Are you ready? Because I was thinking, okay, what are my friends going to think when I put this out there? Talking about devote yourselves to prayer being what? Watchful and thankful. Always seeing where God is already moving and joining him in that work. Or saying, okay, God, that person got about 10% healing. We're going to now pray for 20% and we're going to pray for 30%. We're going to keep after this thing. But why don't we pray? 
Well, I came up with a few reasons on my own. This is not in the Bible. This is just Andrew postulating. First of all, the peril of our comfort. You are in a perilous place, brothers and sisters, because you are so comfortable as Americans. We feel God can't or won't do any more than we can do. Well, it's okay. I don't really need it that bad. Sometimes it takes being desperate to learn how to pray. Then the performance lie. That's the, I'm supposed to figure out this myself. I'm supposed to pull up and pull my own weight. I can't, you know, depend on God for everything. Uh, yeah, that's actually part of the program. Depending on him for everything, trusting him for everything. That's the lifelong lesson we're trying to learn so that we trust him more, not less. Then there's the vending machine lie, right? These, the, I, I put the prayers in and God didn't do what I wanted. I have run into more people who struggle with this. And they've given up on the church or given up on God because they're like, my loved one was dying of cancer and God didn't heal them. Therefore, I've just decided not to follow God. I'm so sad for them. God is not a vending machine. He doesn't do just exactly what we say when we say it. He's God, we're not. The fear of rejection. If God says no, I won't be able to handle it. Therefore, I'm not going to ask him. Quietness. Prayer involves talking, as it turns out. And for some, that's very intimidating. And for some of you, you're like just petrified that I'm going to ask you to pray with the person next to you. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. But this is a hurdle. What about, it's a missing skill. Nobody ever taught you how to pray. I was thinking about it. Have I ever gotten a lesson on how to pray? No, I hadn't. That's the next slide. Um, or you have an identity issue. I'm not holy enough for God to listen to my prayers. Not true. If you're a child of God, even if you're not a child of God, God is listening. So those are the reasons why we don't pray. So how do we learn how to pray? This is just a couple ideas for me. Once again, not in the Bible. First of all, this is what we call application, where we want you to actually do some of these things after we leave and not forget about all the things we talked about. Pray with others. It's amazing how when you pray with others, you begin to listen and take note, you learn how to pray. You don't have to pray exactly like everybody else, but you can get ideas, right? Second, keep it simple. Long drawn out prayers aren't more holy or effective. Please learn this, please. Third, start with thanksgiving. Thank God for anything good in your life. This is where you get immediate, you get immediate application this next Thursday, right? Be specific in your prayer requests. The more specific you are, the more you can measure how God answered. I have gotten to the place now where I pray and ask in a specific time frame that I feel like the Holy Spirit's showing me. So Lord, in the next 24 hours, will you do this? Lord, in the next three days, will you do this? Lord, will you do this right now? <gasps> Is it presumption? No, I'd like to call it faith because I'm just trusting him because I can't make it happen. But it is sure interesting when I pray for somebody that's, and I just sense like within the next 24 hours, the next three days, how oftentimes that happens. And not only is my faith raised up, but they're like, I can't believe it. I know I can't either. It's amazing. It's God. He loves you. 
Be specific. This is maybe the, one of the most important things I'm going to say this morning. So I want to underline it. Be specific in what you pray. It's great we say, bless Johnny and bless Sally and bless Tom. Great. How do you want God to bless them? God, would you bless them with the place without, they're not afraid of the future any longer. Whew. Right? Whatever. Ask, don't tell. God's the king of everything. Humbly but boldly ask. You can pray already written prayers. The Lord's Prayer would be one that comes to mind. There's Celtic prayers that I love that are already written. They're not less holy because you need to like look at a page and, and read them. It's one way to learn. Talk to your friend. Imagine Jesus sitting with you and just talk to him as a friend. All right. One last thing from the 1800s. Why pray if he already knows? If God knows all the stuff, why pray? Do you ever think of that? Anybody, is there, am I the only one who ever thinks of this? No, I am the, literally the only, oh, you're all asleep. Gosh. Okay, great. I do these things to make sure somebody's with me. So from the 1800s, R.A. Torrey says this. Prayer is how we resist the devil. That's in Ephesians 6. Prayer is God's way for us to obtain what we need from him. Prayer is the means by which God gives us grace in time of need. And prayer with thanksgiving in Philippians 4, it frees us from anxiety and gives us the peace that we need. A couple ways that you can pray. First one is at Pray Chico. My friend Gaylord's going to be in the back. If you want to sign up for a time frame for our next 24-hour day and night prayer, we would love for you to do that. So he'll be in the lobby. He's the good-looking one with the white hair. 530 Pray. Every Wednesday, we're doing it this Wednesday? I didn't ask you. This Wednesday, we're not doing 530 Pray. But every Wednesday after that, we'll be doing 530 Pray. We'll be talking about that. Last week, we had a great time talk, praying for businesses specifically, small, small and medium business owners. And it was just a great time. Now, if you come to one of these things, no one's going to put you on the spot and say, why aren't you praying right now? Why aren't you praying out loud? I can, I can speak for the people who run these meetings. Not going to do it. It would be okay if you never opened your mouth, but you were there praying silently and listening and being a part of it. It's cool. Um, the good old-fashioned prayer list. Anybody still have a prayer list? There's a couple of you out there, like three of you. Okay, great. Awesome. Um, I want to bring back the old-fashioned paper Bible, and I want to bring back the old-fashioned prayer list. Why? Because grandmas know how to pray best because they write stuff down and put it in their Bible. And when they read their Bible every, every day, it like falls out, and they write. So here's the deal. Be more like your grandma. Make a list. Now, let me warn you. So I started a digital list because the list started getting real big. Um, and it's just, that's okay. It's good that there's a long list. Sometimes it means that not everything gets prayed for every day, which is okay too. But let me just caution you. Why don't you start with, start with a short list first? And, and then once you pray for someone, for something, just reach out and go, hey, I just prayed for you for this. Just let them know. You might be surprised at how oftentimes they'll go, oh my gosh, you have no idea the timing. Like, no, I don't. Tell me about it. I was just about to go into a meeting. It was exactly what I needed to thought. I'm so encouraged. I'm so blessed. Thank you for letting me know. All you did was say, praying for you right now. Literally, right? This is so important for us as we walk together to pray for each other, to remember what to pray for, and then to check back and go, hey, how's it going? And why don't we check back sometimes? Because we're afraid that nothing has changed. 
and we'll either be disappointed or it's going to put the other person in a negative spot. That's not the culture we're going to create here. The, the culture we're going to create is we always ask because we love each other. I read the story about this, um, this restaurant that was giving a 15% discount if you prayed before your meal. They didn't, they didn't dictate who you're praying to or, or what you were doing. Uh, and as you could imagine, the world absolutely freaked out and they ended up stopping doing this because it was such a controversy, even though they're like, this isn't a policy, this is just a gift, but they were forced to stop doing this. Now, as I went through some of the comments, you know, being online, boy, it's a scary place. Um, you know, how, pe- how could people be so arrogant as to pray for their meal in a restaurant, to force their faith on others? What are you talking about? Are you so sensitive? Sorry, I'm going off a little bit. Uh, are you that sensitive that you can't allow someone the religious freedom to pray near you? Which is a great segue to you. You're not going to have Thanksgiving probably at a restaurant, though maybe you will. But the next time you go to a restaurant, what happens when you go to a restaurant? Do you pray in public or not? So, you have an opportunity when you're at a restaurant. Oftentimes, depending upon who I'm with, we may pray for a really long time, and we may totally forget to pray for the food. If Gaylord and I are together, we're probably praying for other stuff. We're like, oh, that's right. Oh, and God bless the food. Right? Because there's other things that, you, that are on your heart that's just bubbling up, right? Praying before meals is helpful because it reminds you to pray, right? It, the food is not going to turn into worms in your stomach if you don't pray. <laughs> don't get all weird. Here's the deal. Here's what I learned from my, from my coach, Rick. And he said, I've gone to meals with him several times now. And every time we go to a meal... We'll sit down, and the waiter or the waitress will come over, and, and, and he'll say, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name is John, or whatever. Oh, you, I'm Andrew, and this is Rick. And um, we're going to pray before we get our food today, and we just wondered if there was anything that you'd like us to pray for. Just let us know. And then, you know, that little server goes away, and maybe they're having an awkward moment. Is it okay for people to be a little awkward? It is. Let me just help you. Yes, it is. It's okay to be a little awkward. Because the kingdom is coming near to that server, and it was interesting, at least, well, this has happened quite a few times now, but one of the last times we sat down, this little gal comes over and, um, and we asked her what her name was and we said, if there's, is there anything that we could pray for? And we're not going to pray with them necessarily. We're not going to put them on the spot. We're just asking what we could pray for. And she says, well, yeah, I've got this vision. And she has this vision for this business. That's a kingdom business. So we said, are you a Jesus follower? She said, Yes. So great. I said, we're going to pray for you. She said, can I pray? Can I be here when you pray? Sure. Sure. So we got a chance to pray and bless her and gave her a card and said, hey, if you ever need anybody, here's where we are. Here's what's going on. Right? How does that sound to you? Some of you are like, you're like knots in your stomach. You're like, oh, that sounds really scary. I don't know. Really fun. This is what life to the fullest looks like. When your stomach's a little bit like, and you're like, I don't know, this is a little bit on the edge. Oh, that's where the Holy Spirit likes to show up. Some of you are getting stretched this morning. Other of you are like, finally, you're just talking about this stuff. You're welcome, and it's okay. So, as we think about devote yourselves to prayer being what? Watchful and thankful. 
always looking to see where God's answering those prayers as well as thanking him. I read this, this little story uh, in one region of Africa, those who came to Christ were like, man, we got to pray. We understand that this is about spiritual warfare. The spiritual climate is real. The enemy is real. We got to be praying. We got to devote ourselves to prayer. And, and so then each of the believers would have their own little space outside the village where they would pray. It was like their, they would call it like their prayer room, but it was just a spot under a tree somewhere. And so they would use these little footpaths to get there. And when the grass began to grow over these trails, it was evident that that person was not praying very much. So when everyone, anyone noticed an overgrown prayer path, he or she would go to the other person and lovingly warn, friend, there's grass on your path. And I'm maybe here to say, friend, there might be grass on your path. And what would it look like to begin to vote, devote yourself to prayer? I can tell you what it will look like. It will look like a life of adventure. And once you begin doing a little bit, it will be more and more and more. You don't have to carve out three hours at three o'clock in the morning. Please don't start like that because you will not finish. You just start with a little bit of time and you, you know what? Before you know it, it will be more and more and more. So I want to pray a blessing over you from the scriptures. It's actually a prayer because you can find prayers in the scriptures that you can pray as well. So if you'd stand with me and then prayer folks, if you'd come down forward, we want a chance to pray for you this morning for whatever's going on in your life. And uh, those who come down here, it's their great delight to pray for you. This is what they look forward to during the week because they see God move. By the way, if any of us pray for you and something amazing happens, would you just come back and tell us, please? We would love to celebrate with you. We would love to say, yes, God. Jude, verses 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace today. And if you want to come see me, I will be at Fifth Street Clothing doing live music from 4 to 8. Come and sing Christmas songs with me. It's really fun. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.